Hello. <laughs> you want to start? Just no, go no, for no, it. I just get yes. in there. Yeah, please, let Lauren start it. <laughs> yeah. All right, you start it. Go ahead, Lauren. Um, hello. Is that your impression, my impression of my hello? Of hello. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. What else do you say? I how don't do, know. How do other people start podcasts? Greetings, fellow travelers. <laughs> Greetings, fellow travelers. <laughs> this is the Vergecast, a uh, uh, podcast from the Verge. Where we cover technology and feelings, mm-hmm. um, or feelings about technology, whether that technology literally burns us, causing us to have the feeling of great pain. <laughs> uh, yeah, pain is a feeling, as we're discovering. <laughs> yeah, pain is a real feeling. Anyway, I'm Neil Patel. Uh, Paul Miller is here. Hello. Lauren Good is here in studio. Hello. Which is always a delight. Hello. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> And uh, I believe first ever appearance on the Vergecast, Jordan Golson is here. Hello. <laughs> this is just awful. <laughs> How did the word hello become a troll? Scissor vodka. Cut through the night. Oh, yeah. And uh, Jordan. Uh, I've been waiting a year to say that. Cut through the night. Jordan is here. That's a, if you ca- in case you didn't know, that's a vodka brand that I made up mm-hmm. that one day I will, I will own. Mm-hmm. I actually had breakfast with a friend of mine this morning, and he... Spent a lot of time trying to convince me to build a still in my backyard. Like, more time than you would expect. It went from, it wasn't like, hey, you should, you know, I have this great idea, we should start a still. Ha ha, move on to the next topic. He was, was walking like, you through it. It was like a detailed, he's like, I think you should buy a pre-made kit. You know, I don't think you should weld copper on your own. But here's what you would do. I mean, mm-hmm. it was detailed. Huh. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it. Oh. If you are a still manufacturer, get at me. If I was drinking scissor vodka, I'd think to myself, I bet this was made from a pre-made kit. <laughs> I don't think Neil I did any welding <laughs> to achieve this There's, vodka. Uh, I hate these pre-made kit vodkas. Well, yesterday we shot a video, a review review video at a brewery mm-hmm. uh, in downtown Manhattan. And Will Joel and I, yes, we have someone on staff named Billy Joel, uh, decided we, that The Verge should start a brewery. Yeah. And we'd call it Virgin Weissen or something like that. Virgin Virgin Weissen. Virgin Weissen. And the steins would be shaped like V's with little handle on the side well you know we're we gonna are, add that to the merch plan yeah we are refreshing the brand there's supposed to be a merch store ross miller if you're listening to this know that i'm waiting for that merch store if you're not ross miller go ahead and tweet at him he's at ono roscoe mm-hmm. ask him where your t-shirt is because that's his responsibility Say, where's the merch where's the, where's the merch we need a button that lets you auto tweet at while you listen ono to the roscoe where's the merch that's good ross I'm not sorry. Give me a T-shirt. Anyway, tons going on, but really just one thing going on. It was not. I would not. I would say it's not a huge week of news. Uh, I was. I was looking over everything that happened this week. Really, just the one story jumped out, and that's why Jordan is here. Jordan has been heroically owning this beat for a few weeks now. If you read the site, you know Jordan usually uh, is one of our transportation reporters. He writes a lot about the future of transportation and cars and fun things. But a Samsung Galaxy Note 7 blew up on a plane. Mm -hmm. So Jordan got the story. Jordan, I'm going to dish some of your backstory. Jordan used to write for Mac Rumors and Valleywag, so tech reporter extraordinaire, uh, and then just decided that he would own the Note story. Jordan, you want to walk us through what happened? Because it's pretty bad. Yeah, so, you know, if you go way back, the phone, the Note 7 was released, and then they started catching fire, um, and they were recalled. Okay, that's all well and good. Everyone's familiar with that. Um, Then they issued new phones that they said were not broken, and it turned out they were broken. And a couple (laughs) weeks after uh, they started getting released, this guy was uh, getting on his Southwest Airlines flight and said, he told me, because I spoke to him on the phone, that they were 
giving their pre-flight safety briefing, and they said, okay, everyone with the Galaxy Note 7, please turn off your phone. And he said, oh, geez, you know, this is silly, this is ridiculous, you know, mine's the recalled one, it's safe, turns it off, puts it in his pocket, and it catches fire in his pocket, which can be alarming when you're on an airplane and yeah. your electronics is catching fire. So that was not good. And then how did you get in touch with him? And so what happened was USA Today and some local news stations in Louisville, Kentucky said, uh, oh, you know, Samsung phone catches fire on Southwest Airlines flight. And we were sort of, oh, geez, I wonder what this was. It must have been an old one that didn't replace. And I found uh, the Louisville, I believe it's the Courier Journal is their local daily newspaper. And they had an article with the guy's wife. Um, I believe his name is Brian Green. And his wife said, oh, by the way, this was a replacement phone. And they had buried it in the seventh or eighth paragraph because they didn't really realize the significance of this. And I saw it and was like, holy shit, this is huge news. And managed to track down the guy. I started Googling him and I found the company (laughs) that he works for. And then I tracked down his... Uh, his email address and emailed him and I said, hey, can you call me? Which I was a little concerned about because his phone had just caught fire. So how was he going to call me? That's a real problem. (laughs) That's legit. I was like, well, I'll try anyway. And luckily he had gone from the airport to the AT&T store to buy another phone, which was an iPhone 7. Of course. Nice. And he called me on and was like, yeah, my phone just caught fire. And he was was, um, half thrilled to be alive and half really irritated at Samsung. Aside from the fact that fire is dangerous and explosions and heat are dangerous to humans, yeah, the the smoke from this, like in a confined space, is also yeah pretty scary. It's real there bad. was this video of of like somebody passing out. Like this is the, like the first video we have of of one of these exploding. This lady walks into the living room holding a smoking Note Seven, put, yeah. sets it down. Finally, I don't know why she held this for so long. <laughs> Starts to walk away and then like passes out on a couch. Is it toxic? Wow. The smoke? I'm guessing. I'm, it's it's bad you know? smoke. What, it's what? A, you know, it's a battery overheating. It's this nasty electrical smoke. You don't want to breathe it. It's in. like ah. the chemicals from the battery, right? Are what's smoking? Yeah, the bad electric. chemicals. The bad chemicals in the battery. Uh, Angela Chen, one of our science supporters, did a whole video on YouTube that you should watch about why these batteries explode. Basically, they're, they're little bombs, mm-hmm. and we release their energy slowly to power our screens, mm-hmm. which is great, um, except for the bomb part. When you release it fast. Yeah. Right. Uh, anyhow, so, Jordan, that was the first one, and we said, oh, no, this is bad, or it's a replacement. And then, if you were reading the site over, over the past week, to me, this is like an old school move that we made where we just did 100 updates. We just wrote 100 stories about every little iterative development. We don't do that as much anymore. There was a time when that was like our stock in trade. Like I, I think of that as like classic aughts blogging. Right. It happened again. Here's another headline, and we fire them off in the ether. We don't, you know, it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't feel great anymore. Always, just because of how we distribute things on Twitter and Facebook, it, it you don't read that blog roll. Mm-hmm. But for this story, it just seemed to make perfect sense. Like, there's a build here, and every one of these things that goes off again is actually its own story because it compounds the original story. So, Jordan, you, Jordan. You wrote one of these stories, like, you literally pulled over in your car on a New Mexico highway to write one of the. I mean, you just went at it all weekend. You want to walk us through all the ones that you did. So it's, it's starting back, and I'm, and I'm going back here because there are so many stories, so I'm clicking through all of them. But yeah. basically, the first day, there were two stories. There was uh, this plane, uh, or a, a Note 7 catches fire on a plane. 
um, and that was bad. And then the one just after that was the uh, Consumer Product Safety Commission, which is the U.S. federal regulator that oversees uh, recalls and dangerous products and things like that, um, announced that they were opening an investigation, which uh, was about five hours later, which is a pretty good turnaround for them. And so that was the two the first day. And then we said, okay, well, maybe this this story is has run its course and they'll look into it and it won't be a replacement phone. And that's sort of what I hoped it was because – you know, yeah. otherwise, if all these replacement phones are catching fire, that's no good. And but it, the, it's already, the next, and it was already yeah. recalled at this point. Yeah, so the, the, it was already because the recall happened September second, yeah. right? Like very well, early September. So this is all post recall, right? So we should zoom out. So the big news of the week is that there was the original recall in September, and then they expanded the recall program this week to cover even the replacement phones. And then mm-hmm. Samsung and the carriers are like, just bring all the phones back. Samsung is giving people $100 credit on their sell bill. If they get another Samsung phone, you get $25 if you go to another brand, oh, which gosh. is just the worst. Uh, and Note 7 production is halted. I mean, the Note is dead, right? I mean, that's yeah, the so end there, of the were, there were two batches of Notes. There's the original batch, which had a Samsung battery in it, ironically, and they caught fire. And then they said, okay, these phones are bad. We're going to recall them. And then they said, okay, now we have new Note 7s that are replacement Note 7s with batteries from a different company. And they said over and over again, these are fine. They're totally safe. We're completely confident that these are safe. The problem is fixed. And then those phones started catching fire. Right. And so you covered, I would say, six of those. And now... Yeah, there, there were five or six. And then I think they said there were 23 total because not everybody ran to the verge. I don't know why they didn't come tell me. <laughs> Several people did. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had one the next day that I think was from a, a local news outlet. And then I had two people email me. Um, one was uh, a guy in Virginia who emailed me and said, at 545 this morning, my phone caught fire on my nightstand. Here are pictures of it. Wow. And so wow. basically he woke up, flipped out, took pictures of it, and then emailed us, which was great. So if you <laughs> have something crazy technological happen, email verge absolutely yes that's exactly and then we had another person the same thing actually no i had a woman she tracked me down on facebook Mm -hmm. and i don't know how she found me on facebook if she went to the verge and then clicked on me or if my link got shared i don't know but she messaged me on facebook and so i messaged her back and she said oh call this number we can explain it and it had caught fire on their table while they were having lunch at a restaurant outside in texas I mean, that's ridiculous. And it was just sitting on the table and burst into flames. What and they of, were very upset, too. What kind of sense are you getting from these people you've been speaking to about their exploding notes? Like, are people really frustrated? Do you think people are going to trust Samsung again? Like, uh, The word I would use is betrayed. Um, wow. Samsung said, and all of these people, so, you know, if you're buying a Note 7 and it has not been out very long, and all of the folks that I talked to were very much early adopters. They were very enthusiastic about this phone. They thought it was great. They read our reviews. And, okay, the first one comes out. They had a problem. We'll recall it. Okay, that's annoying, but it's okay. Now they got this new phone. Samsung, they, they say Samsung lied. Samsung betrayed us. Whatever you want to say. Most folks are really unhappy. One person I talked to said, I'm just going to get an S7 and it'll be fine. And the other couple folks I talked to were like, forget it. Do I just go buy an iPhone now? Yeah. You know, we're, I'm done. Well, I, I, I want to talk about Samsung. this a little later. I mean, the, the Pixel's out in the world. I mean, I think that's like a that's a thing. It's a, it's going to be a huge problem for Samsung. But let's let's stay on the just the note for a little bit longer because this story just seems to have gotten away from Samsung. And the more that it is revealed, it's not that the story got away from Samsung. It's that the situation got away from Samsung. So they don't know why the sec. They don't really know why. 
the first one was exploding. They assumed it was a bad battery. They switched it from their own supplier, a Samsung battery, a Samsung subsidiary, to another company. Those phones started going. There was a report in the New York Times that basically said or claimed that Samsung internally is unable to replicate this problem. So they don't really know what's they wrong still with don't the phones. Know. They still Even don't today. know. Even today. And that maybe know. they were too quick to blame the batteries. Right. Which means there could be something with like, well, what would it be? The quick, the quick charging? Right. So there's like a million things, right? Who knows? Like, the, we are left to like irresponsibly speculate. I saw a rumor that that it people thought that the charger, the firmware, was charging the battery at too high a voltage. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is the conspiracy theory, and so oh, it's not a battery problem at all; it's a firmware it's a problem. Firmware issue. That's interesting. Yeah, I, who, I mean, who knows? I think Angela I saw too late Chang now. reported for us um, the same Angela who did this great video on uh, our YouTube or Facebook, our YouTube. Facebook, YouTube that you should it's check out. Everywhere. Um, yeah, check that out. But she had uh, written a report. I mean, back last month, um, and quoted you know battery experts and one who suggested that things can get dicey when the anode touches the cathode in the mm-hmm. battery, and there's supposed to be separators there. And if the manufacturer isn't handling the separator properly, then something bad could happen. Like, yeah, I saw all like kinds a random like, scientific. I saw a random X-ray photo of a battery that's like the pins are bent. Like, literally, everyone is assuming everything. Like, maybe they put in USB C well, wrong. Well, but but that's the thing is like. If this is so mysterious, and we've had a couple notable happenings of battery explosions, the hoverboards, yeah, and the Note Seven, and then like before that, like the biggest one I can remember is like the Dell Sony. batteries, yeah, the cell, Sony batteries, like the years ago. So like we we use millions of devices all the time that have batteries in them, and they don't explode very often. Yeah. So but should can we I just... interrupt with a pet peeve here? Yes, please. They're not really exploding. Okay. When you think of exploding, you think kablooey. Right. But it's more of like a sizzle. Right. Oh. And, and the, the phone itself gets really hot, and it sort of expands, and, and bad things, and smoke pours out. But it's not like... It's not a, a stick of bomb. dynamite. Right, stuff right. goes everywhere. Yeah, okay. so you know, calling it, got, it exploding it, just, is a bit of a misnomer. I think you just named Samsung's next the phone kablooey. line for them, which is the Samsung Sizzler. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Great. I was going to go kablooey. Sizzler comes in really like, red and kablooey. It looks like there's a lot of <laughs> pressure inside, though. I can't believe I just it, laughed it, at Yeah, the battery expands a little bit. And if you've seen batteries that fail, it sort of bubbles up and it expands a bit. Right. Um, like, you know, bread that's rising yeah, they or get something. All, like, I don't even know. Yeah, but they get really hot. The one on the plane burned through the carpet and down to the metal. Yeah, of the they plane get super body, hot. Which is insane. Absolutely. So Samsung doesn't know what's wrong. They also, Jordan, I'm interested in your take on this. It seems like they mishandled all of the language around what to do, when to do it. Um, I got an email from somebody that was like, I try to return my note. Here's an email I got from Samsung. The email was gibberish. I got what Samsung was trying to communicate, which was go to this website and push this button. We'll send you a box. You can send your phone back. Mm-hmm. But it was like 400 pages of what appeared to have gone through at least two rounds of translation, like machine translation. So Samsung is not communicating with its customers correctly. They didn't do the official recall. Like They didn't use the word recall for a long time. They said they were exchanging it. Now it's an official recall. They didn't stop making the phones. Now they've stopped making the phones. And as far as I can tell, they haven't done a lot of like big like announcements, right? Mm. They're they're sort of trickling this information the, out. One thing that's missing, I think, they haven't said I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> it's ridiculous. They, we're really sorry this happened. You know, it's all, 
you know, oh, we're taking the matter seriously and we're investigating and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they haven't had, you know, where's the CEO coming out and saying, we made a mistake. I'm very sorry. Well, Jordan, love means never having to say you're sorry. And clearly Samsung loves its customers. So, Well, I have an iPhone and I think Tim Cook loves me. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's your, I mean, you've been on the beat. You've talked to a bunch of people with the phones. At one point over the weekend, Jordan and I were just like messaging back and forth. It was actually hard to get a hold of Samsung, which not to get all inside baseball, but if there's one, if you're a company and there's one reporter who's just kicking your ass every 30 minutes for two days, you should probably talk to that reporter, but we couldn't get a hold of Samsung at all. Like, they're just nowhere. What's your sense now of the situation, Jordan? Uh, I mean, they're because the recall is in place and they've worked with the the CPSC which is the the regulator um, to come out with the recall I think that procedure is in place and they've been pretty clear about okay go back to wherever you bought the phone bring it back they'll give you a credit mm-hmm. because unlike Apple which has Apple stores everywhere if you have a problem with your iPhone you can go into the Apple store and speak with an Apple employee about it but if you have a Samsung phone you can't do that right. you can go to their website and you can you know go to Twitter or whatever, but if you have a problem with your phone, you go back to AT&T or Best Buy or Verizon or whoever, and you say, hey, I've got a problem. So I think part of that is is Samsung's issue, just with communicating with customers. Because like you said, when people did communicate with Samsung, it didn't make any sense. They were getting conflicting orders, or what they were supposed to do on Tuesday was not what they were supposed to do on Thursday, and it was this mishmash of, of confusion. Yeah. I mean, just to game it out, I mean, I think it, it, it's interesting to think about, I mean, again... Who knows why the thing broke, but let's say it was faulty batteries. Apple's just as much at risk of getting a shipment of faulty batteries as anybody. Mm -hmm. Ten years ago, PowerBooks exploded because they had faulty batteries in them. Just a thing. If If this was the iPhone, A, I think the level of crazy would be ratcheted up way higher because it's Apple. Oh, nuts. But you just think about, and Walt brings this up on Control Alt all the time, you think about Antenna Gate. Apple like held a press conference. They said, "We don't think there's a problem, but we're sorry. Everybody gets a free case. You're holding it wrong. You're holding it wrong. Here's a bunch of videos of us holding other phones. Like, you know, they did all the work. <laughs> right. Like, here's the chamber where we test it. Whatever. And then next year they quietly redesigned the antenna because it was probably not that great. Right. To begin. But whatever, they did it right. And well, they had these stores, so like you could just go in and give the phone back. There was like all of this attention to detail." An attention to communication from that company. I mean, that, but that's tough for almost any company that's not Apple because who's the face of Samsung? Right. For you. I don't know. Who yeah. is the person on stage that who one should guy who say, makes fun of baristas? You're holding your Note 7 wrong. Yeah. I mean, they've tried to have some faces. It's just really hard. I mean, that part is hard for them, but they could just appoint a face of the company. Right. Like, here's the person nice. who's constantly on the local news. Yeah. Who's the head of Samsung of America? I mean, we should know. I but even if I said their knowing. name, I could say any name right now. Right. Steve Johnson, get out there. Get to work, Steve. All the Steve Johnsons in the world are right? really disappointed in Steve Johnson. <laughs> yeah, he's mad. Um, but no, I mean, but you could just have anybody be on the local news or talk to us. or Gregory Lee. Yeah, no, no, no. I feel so bad for not knowing that, but the president and CEO of Samsung Electronics North America. Oh, but it's not electronics. Electronics is, is a TV set. Is Gregory Lee. Right. He should it's be Samsung apologizing Mobile. too. I know uh, Nick DiCarlo was doing their marketing for a long time, right? This is great radio. See, the fact that we don't know who this is, that's the problem. We should all know, because we should have all talked to him about seven times by now. Yeah. Why wasn't he on the NBC Nightly News? And, like, even the people, not to call too many people out, but, like, even the people who are, represent Samsung on social media channels, 
went totally radio silent, right? Like, it they went into a bunker mentality when they what they really needed to do uh, was start communicating more. So now we get to Lauren's big question, which I think is a hugely important question: Is anyone gonna come back around? And buy? I mean, they, I think the most dangerous thing for Samsung's brand is that flight attendants across the country are opening flights with. If you have a Galaxy phone, turn it off, throw it away. It's dangerous for the plane. Mm. Right? And that's Samsung had to send a note, I think, on a carrier in Australia, I believe it was, saying Galaxy phones, Galaxy S7 phones are fine. It's the note that's bad. I, right? Like the whole brand is tainted. I, I feel like it's two pronged. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Jordan. But there's the aspect of Samsung needs to say, hey, we figured out exactly what was wrong and we'll never do it again. So that it's logical to buy another Samsung phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other thing is, it, they, if they make a desirable device, I think people are going to buy it. I think, think about hoverboards. People wanted to buy hoverboards, no matter how many people told them that it would explode. <laughs> like people just I don't won't. know. Do you think people, are people still buying hoverboards? <laughs> yeah, they're out there. It's pre- I think it's a pretty... It was a fad, But for I think sure. the hoverboard thing, there's a difference. The difference was like, the hoverboards that blew up, were the like unregulated, unsafety tested right. Chinese hoverboards right, right. that came in with faulty batteries and not enough protection around the batteries, mm. and it was like fairly op- maybe it wasn't exactly right, but it was like Everyone fairly intuitive that I paid too li- little. I paid for too my... little for this product, and right. it it rolls on the ground, and if it gets bumped, it might blow up. Mm-hmm. This is like a very expensive phone, like it's a eight hundred dollar phone. So there's, I don't think there's an intuitive connection to anything other than Samsung blew it. Do you guys think that Samsung will ever be able to use the name Note again? No, that's got to be. That's done, over. right? And that includes the tablet, I guess. Then, right? The the because they have a, ta- a Note the, tablet. Basically, anything that has a stylus, they yeah. call it. They've put under the Note brand. I don't know. What do you think? Will they put out a Note Eight? How long before they can put out a Note Eight? Is it a year? A year. Is it two years? It's it's a year. Well, I think so. When when does the S Eight presumably come out April or something. Uh, February? Isn't that usually when they come out? Does it, one comes out traditionally at NWC, and that is the uh, note. That's the that no, the that's S7. not the note. The note is August, usually around August. Right. Wait, 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 so when's the when's the S eight? The S seven came out in March. Okay, so yeah, they would announce it at MWC and then launch it with the next month. Right. So they go radio silent. We're really sorry. The S eight comes out then. If they come out between now and then and give a TikTok, here's exactly what happened. We figured out what went wrong. This is what happened, and here's what we did to fix it. I think the, the brand is okay. Samsung phones are okay. I think that assumes that some the rest of the market remains static, right? I think this is the big problem. And first, I'm going to read an ad, and then we're going to talk about the big problem, which I believe is known is the Google Pixel. This episode of The Vergecast is brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass makes the world's greatest courses by bringing you the world's greatest instructor. They're dedicated to finding the best in the world, visionaries, rule breakers, leaders, and champions, and turning their wisdom into a legacy that the entire world can share. To do that, Masterclass has brought together a team of world-class educators, engineers, and artists. Together, they're crafting innovative online courses that connect instructors to students and students to each other in a community of devoted learners. Current instructors include Aaron Sorkin, Kevin Spacey, Dustin Hoffman, Serena Williams, Werner Herzog, Usher. Mm-hmm. Usher. Think about that. James Patterson, Christina Aguilera, and Annie Leibovitz. 
Take Aaron Sorkin. They worked with Aaron Sorkin to create his first ever online screenwriting class. Aaron's masterclass contains 35 lessons spanning six hours of video, a downloadable workbook, the full screenplay to A Few Good Men, class events like screenwriting intensives, and three interactive rate and review assignments where you upload your work and get feedback. We, we interviewed Werner Herzog oh. about his class. We did. That's not part of the ad. But we did. So if you're listening to this, go read that and check it out. Anyway, when you purchase a masterclass, you own it. You get lifetime access to all the course content, plus access to community events, student groups where you can collaborate and share your ideas with classmates. Classes are on demand, so you can take them whenever you want at your own pace. And you can rewatch as many times as you like on any device for life. So for an exclusive clip of Aaron Sorkin discussing how he writes dialogue, go to masterclass.com slash The Verge. That's masterclass.com slash The Verge. And if you want some class codes... You just go to the cart page, click, you click on Take the Class, and you can enter Neli underscore The Verge. That's a fun one. Whoa. You can enter, enter, you can enter Friends underscore of underscore The Verge underscore one, which is way more complicated, or Friends underscore of underscore The Verge underscore two. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Just, Are they all the same? I don't know. Go to masterclass.com, report back to us, let us know what it's like having Aaron Sorkin rate your online submitted screenwriting exercises. Can, can I just read this quote from Herzog? Read, read a Herzog my quote. my favorite thing that The Verge has ever published of all time. Yes. Oh, yes. About, you're right. It's about Pokemon Go. He asks the interviewer, Emily Yoshida, do they bite each other's hands? Do they punch each other? <laughs> And then Emily said no. And then what was his? Fo- he had a great follow up too. Oh, he says physically, do they fight? No. Do they bite each other's hands? Do they punch each other? That's great. Yeah. Do the Pokemon bite each other? Yeah. Then if not, what is the point? There must be real people if it's a real encounter with someone else. Yes, it's true. Anyway, that's Aaron Masterclass. Sorkin Aaron Sorkin, Warner Herzog. Uh, that's Masterclass. Thanks for sponsoring this, The Vergecast. Mm. Can I give my favorite Aaron Sorkin on writing quote? Do it. It, it was from All Things D a couple years ago, and he said, writing does not look to a casual observer like writing. Instead, it looks a lot like watching ESPN. Ooh. And That's I find weird. that to be true. Uh, when I interviewed Sorkin around the Steve Jobs movie, every time I asked him a question he didn't like, he just reached over and grabbed my shoulder. That's it? Would he answer? Yeah. Yes. He, but he would answer things like, That's not important. And I was mm. like, oh. Wow. I'm gonna try that. It was oh. it was remarkably effective. I conducted an interview like that recently. Yeah, but we're not gonna get into it. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it later when it, when it runs. We'll talk about it. But every time, be like, so this movie has nothing to do with Steve Jobs, and he would just like touch my shoulder and be like, shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was just incredible. <laughs> uh, Anyhow, uh, let's talk about the danger, the looming we should do danger. Do a verge cast where we just try to talk. Like we're Sorkin-esque characters the entire <laughs> just talk time. Really fast. Like we're super witty and run off sentences into one another and like really walk and great. talks. Yes, we should do an entire talks. walk and talk verge cast. Yes. Okay, I'm into it. Okay, done and done. I feel like we got to submit the script to Masterclass. Ph- physically <laughs> and mentally incapable of being a part of a Sorkin dialogue. <laughs> 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 like we'd be walking down the hall. Like let me go sit down and think about something to say <laughs> i'll catch up with you guys ross miller ross miller is the one human being who can talk fast enough to pull that off there you go anyway the looming danger so as jordan was saying samsung just let it calm down let it breathe they could come back we fix the phone here's the galaxy s8 everyone make make your explodey phone jokes but what, what the hell else are you gonna buy you could you could call it the looming safety <laughs> 
<laughs> looming safety. Safety on the horizon. A phone. Yeah. That doesn't blow up. Yeah. Galaxy safety. Galaxy if only safety. you could buy another phone that didn't blow up. If only one of those existed. So, but here's the thing. So all of so yes, there's the iPhone. Fine. Mm-hmm. But Samsung is the only manufacturer in the Android ecosystem that like collects profits from doing the work of making and selling phones. So if they those people are probably still gonna buy Android phones. They're in that ecosystem. I don't think they're gonna go buy an LG phone. I don't think they're gonna buy a Sony phone. Why not? Hmm? Because Why would they buy the new LG, the V20? The V20 looks nice. Mm-hmm. I just We all know what they're going to buy. They, right. Uh, I think the, the software update stuff for the Android is, the peop- I think people buy Galaxy phones, either buy them because they're cheap, they buy them because they're discounted, or they buy them because they know. They want the high-end phone. Particularly the Note is the highest, one of the highest-end phones you can buy, period. I don't think any of the other manufacturers support their phones as well as Samsung did. So you you could either wait, wait it out. And there was like a crazy article on Mashable. The writer was like, I'm keeping my note. It's a great phone. Chances oh are it won't hurt me. Oh, God. It's incredible. So those people. But <laughs> those people. let's get to it. There's the Pixel. And I think the, the Pixel, you know, you can go, you can get on the wait list like I have to. Um, but you can like pre-order it now. It'll be out in Verizon store soon. It's Google's phone. It's the, a high-end Android phone. It's supported. It's going to be marketed. I don't think Google has any desire to like wait for Samsung to fix itself. They don't have any reason to. They don't have any moral imperative to help Samsung, mm. especially not anymore. How does Samsung come back in a world where Google has just gone full out with the Pixel? Can they come back? I just have to say I think this timing is incredibly auspicious for Google because my very first impressions of the Pixel, only having used it briefly, and I wasn't at the event, but I followed the event when it was unveiled, is like, yeah, this is a good first truly Google-made phone. By mm-hmm. the way, they kept saying Google's first phone, but in reality, Google has been making phones with hardware partners for a while now, but this was the first one that was like branded the Google phone, right? Um, and I thought, yeah, it's, you know, it's got a good camera. That's yeah. great. Uh, it's a little thick. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not water, wa- waterproof. It's, it's, a, it's a good phone. It's good. Yeah, that's that's the way to put it. I say it's, it looks like it's a good phone. That's not my final review, by the way. You're gonna have to go to theverge.com to check out the final review when we run it. So many caveats, Lauren. Well, I'm just saying. I hope I'm not breaking any embargoes here. But like, I, this no. is based on like a very brief experience yeah. having like, used it and held it. And like, I just think that's how it would have been perceived. Like everyone would have said, "Oh, Google's getting into hardware, and that's great. And here's a really good phone that Google made." But now it's like a serious contender. Yeah. Because of this Note stuff. And I think the only way, you know, and people are saying, oh, like, it's it's like full stack Android. It's like full stack Google, like software, hardware, integrated, cool. And I think the only way to, like, really best that is to make, like, another really kick-ass Android phone. Yeah. Like, the stakes are that much higher. And I, I just don't think Samsung has the software chops to compete. I mean, they bought Viv, the, the, the company started by the team that originally did Siri. Mm-hmm. Like, they're in a world where they're now competing against Apple and Google with their own smart assistants. And... I, how? I, I was literally right. about to say, Samsung can't win this fight by making a s- smart assistant. And then I remember the, the, the Viv. <laughs> they bought a smart assistant. Which, yeah, by the this... way, looked really good. Like, the, the Viv yeah. people sure. were clearly doing good but stuff. But when you push the button on a Samsung phone, are you going to get Viv or are you going to get well, this, Google yeah. Assistant? And does like, that mean also that you have to have Viv living in other hardware around your house? Like, the one thing that Google and Apple are doing and Amazon is doing is, like, they're Putting it in these little entry date, you know, entry points all around your life. Right. So how d- d- Viv won't know anything beyond what you do with it on the phone, unless you oh, maybe Viv can be in my my dishwasher <laughs> and my fridge. <laughs> 
I'm sorry, Neil. I interrupted if, you earlier, and I didn't mean no, no. to. No, I mean, if this were a movie, just I need to throw this out because I'm going to forget it otherwise. If this was a movie, would you have any trouble believing that Google had sabotaged Samsung because it's that convenient for them? Google isn't organized enough to sabotage anyone. That, I mean, that, that's basically like my take. Like, I would if if this was a movie, Google would have put out this phone like three years ago. Right. Like if this was a movie, then this phone would be – right, this is Google realizing it has to get serious. I don't think that – I just don't think that but I mean, they the, were the note organized starts enough. Ex- the note starts catching fire uh, uh, half weeks before the Pixel comes out. It's the most convenient timing ever yeah. for one phone to implode as another but one's coming out. It could also be like a Mighty Duck situation Ooh. where uh, the Hawks – had uh, Banks on their team, and he was actually not supposed to be on the Hawks. He was in a different district. So, like, the, the Hawks are the bad guys, and they got in trouble for breaking the rules. Samsung, if Samsung's the bad guy, they got in trouble for juicing their batteries wrong, or I don't know. Mm-hmm. So now the good guys reap the, the rewards of the bad guy breaking the rules. Yeah. Huh. I, I mean, I just think, well, I want to talk about Lauren's piece about iMessage, too, right? Like, oh, yeah. If I was in the market for a phone right now, I would almost certainly buy a Pixel. I mean, I'm always in the market for a phone, and I buy every phone, hmm. so I'm buying a Pixel. But you understand what I'm saying. Hypothetically, if I only bought one phone a year, I mean, Paul's it's week nine of Paul just leaving the dongle plugged into his <laughs> iPhone 7, which is crazy. Speaking of, i got to send back my 6. Oh, because you're on, like, Next or whatever? Uh, no, I get that T-Mobile oh, yeah. thing, so I have to send them my phone. I keep on forgetting. T-Mobile Blaze Exchange, whatever they call it. <laughs> it's probably called that. It's like whatever they call it. It's Uncarrier 84. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm having a great time, but I understand, like, if you so want silly. something new and different. I tweeted a picture of the Belkin dongle today, because it just looks ridiculous. I was like, you have to admit this looks ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so many angry fanboys defensively tweeted back at me, like, Apple's vision is wireless. And I'm like, you know, they put wired headphones Dongles. in the box, man. But anyway, I, so here's the thing. The the big thing with the iPhone is we have to make the trade offs in the design mm-hmm. to get it to be waterproof and put the bigger camera. I like I still don't buy it because it turns out Apple designs the phone. So they could make the phone bigger. That's a choice. They just chose not to make that decision. I don't think any of the trade offs in the iPhone are worth the inconvenience, at least in the way that I use the phone for that thing. And I just I just evaluating my usage of the phone, I don't use any of Apple's apps except for iMessage. So, Lauren, you wrote a big piece about that, your last lock-in. Yeah. I had this moment on the plane when I was flying out here to New York where I realized I'd been thinking about it and noodling that for a while. And then I, I heard, like, Dieter, your voice in my head saying, put it on the site, <laughs> <laughs> which is really effective. It's P-I-O-T-S, by the way, for those of you who haven't heard put it on the site before. If you want to know what it's like to have your boss yell at you in acronyms. <laughs> Not yeah. to be confused with head. pain in the ass. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, it, Paul said it, not me. Yeah. But like, you know, when you're on a flight and you're just held captive and you're like, all right, I guess I should do some work. So I wrote this essay and it turns out people have a lot of feelings about it. It's kind of like hundreds of comments and people uh, really tweeted some really thoughtful stuff back at me. No, truly, though, very thoughtful. And it seemed like, you know, so my, my uh, the premise was I've thought over the past week a lot about whether or not I'm going to buy the Pixel phone. Personally, I was a little bit disappointed at how much it costs because mm-hmm. I had just been on like, I just... Almost bought a Nexus uh, 5X Ice Blue off of eBay, and a couple of people on staff talked me talked me down from it and said, "No, no, no, wait for whatever Google comes up with next because yeah. it's going to come up soon." And then you know it's like the six hundred and forty nine dollar phone or up, and I thought, "Oh, I should, I should just buy the 5X off of eBay now." Um, so I'm a little <laughs> disappointed by the price, but then I really started thinking about why. 
I'm not sure I'm going to buy the Pixel phone right away. And I, and I realized it came down to messaging. I realized every single app I use, whether it's Gmail, my calendar app, uh, Spotify, all my health and fitness apps, Slack, all the things I use on a daily basis, they're all available on Android. I like Android. Uh, it's not an inconvenience to use it, except for iMessage, which works across my desktop and my iPhone, and my whole family's on it, and like everybody I talk to every day is on it. And we go to cover events, we create group threads mm-hmm. on it, and like it just iMessage, in, at least in the U.S., is such a lock-in for me. And some of the comments I got back um, were people from other countries talking about their most popular, your you know, preference. Uh, their preferences for messaging apps. And um, and so I admit that the article was pretty US-centric, the one that I wrote. Or people were like just agreeing with me and saying, yeah, I just, I'm totally, I'm yeah. locked in. And I don't, uh, do you send anything with lasers anymore? Sent with lasers? No. Like the best thing about sent with lasers is every now and then Casey tweets something hilarious and he puts sent with lasers after <laughs> it. <laughs> That's it. But like I've not used a bunch of that stuff as much as I thought I would. Yeah, it's right. fun. It's like there. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think that, eco- like, as with all of Apple's nascent ecosystems, it will just take a minute for everybody to, like, figure out what it's really for. Right. So I really like iOS 10. I mean, it's fine. I've noticed people just complain about how buggy it is, which is not normal. But, like, I see, I get tons of tweets from people like, this is so much buggier than it used to be. Tom Warren has pointed out to me how buggy it is. Ezra Klein from Vox tweeted, I think it was this morning. He's like some who at Apple decided that unlocking a phone was too hard and it should be made worse. I still am swiping to open sometimes, admittedly. I mean, admittedly, I've been doing it for weeks. Well, so that's actually a pretty good segue into the other big Jordan Golson story of the week, which is Jordan went to the Supreme Court this week. Spans all over the place. Superstar reporter Jordan Golson. Anywhere uh, there's Samsung, I'm there. <laughs> Not a good week for Wait, Samsung. I have a question. How are you in Colorado and then filing a story from New Mexico and then at the Supreme Court? I fly out of Albuquerque. So I drive from my home in Durango to Albuquerque. And so on my drive to Albuquerque before on my way to D.C., a story broke. And I said, well, I've got cell access. I'll just pull over and just write it. Okay. Rather than I didn't realize you flew it. out of Albuquerque. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jordan, erratic travel patterns. If, if I didn't know better, maybe you're the man Google's paying to destroy Samsung. <laughs> Agent of chaos, <laughs> Jordan Golson. You didn't, you didn't see that in my ethics statement? Yeah. I was, you know, on the Google. It's fun. Jordan pulled over on the side mind. of the road in New Mexico, lit a note on fire, <laughs> took a picture of it, and put it on the website. Um, but anyway, you were in D.C., Apple yes. versus Samsung. Um, for a long time, Vergecast, Verge audience people uh, was a huge part of the story of the site when we launched. We covered the hell out of it. We had an actual, we had Matt McCary, who is still a wonderful person, but Matt was on our staff. He was a patent lawyer on the Verge staff just to be a full time consultant for the story. And now it's like five years later and it wa- still going. wandered its way up to the Supreme Court. Jordan, tell us about that a little bit. So it started out with this, you know, huge lawsuit arguing about patents and phones and phones that are ancient at this point. Um, And so it kept getting appealed and appealed and appealed. And a teeny tiny sliver of that case is what finally made it to the Supreme Court. And it's like the obscurest of obscure parts of the case, which I think is fantastic. What is it? 
And so what they're arguing about it is Apple won its lawsuit against Samsung and the jury said, okay, you have to pay $400 million or whatever it was to, Samsung has to pay $400 million to Apple. And Samsung said, no, 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 wait, that profit that you just awarded them is for the entire phone. And we only infringed a little bit of the phone. Yeah. And so we should only have to pay a little bit of profit because it was this, you know, home button or the front screen when the chips and the display and all that stuff, we didn't infringe and we made profit off those and we should get to keep it. And that was their argument. Right. So their design patents, which are just like generally hard to explain, but uh, it, it was the rounded shape of the phone. It's the location of the home button. Uh, and I th- believe it was the size. The bezel. The bezel. And not to get too wonky, but it's... Those are ornamental features that are protected over time that are, like, patented ornamental features. They're not functional patents, like slide to unlock is a utility patent. So this would be like patenting a handbag design. Yeah, yes, and then exactly. there's, and then there's like, look and feel. Then there's another one that's, like, trade dress, which is, like, the shape of the Coke bottle, mm. right? And that, so, like, a design patent, you get it, and it's you get to exclude everybody from the market for using it, but then once it expires, other people can use it, unless that design has become so associated with your brand that it is effectively operates as a trademark. So there's like all of these things in the air and all that is in the case, right, Jordan, is just the three design patents on basically the yes. exterior design of the iPhone, whatever. Yes, it's these three patents and what they're arguing about. So a design patent suit has not made it to the Supreme Court in about 100 years. And so this to design patent people and patent lawyers, this is a very big thing. And to try and explain it in about 20 seconds is really hard. But basically, the you have to pay your profits on the article of manufacture is what the law says. And Samsung is arguing that the article of manufacture could be a single thing like the display, and the rest of the phone is separate. And Apple is saying, no, 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 you buy the phone. You don't buy the display and then add it to something else. It's all one thing. And so we will see what the Supreme Court decides. They've talked a lot about... Um, Samsung used in their in their brief that they filed before the arguments. They said it was like a cup holder in a car, and if you infringed on a patent on a design patent on a cup holder, you wouldn't expect that you would get all the profits from the entire car. That would be crazy. Right. And so they went back and forth, and they talked about like, well, you know, people might buy a phone simply for its design, and that's why they buy it. And so maybe you should get all the profit. But at the same time, the chips and the wires and all that stuff. There's something to that, too. So they'll sort of come down in the middle somewhere, I imagine. Yeah, that seemed to be the... the th- I mean, there was a long conversation about whether the Volkswagen Beetle... Like, whether the iPhone is an iconic... Is a design is the Volkswagen Beetle. I suspect people listening to this are like, it's a rectangle. Because particularly now, the phones are, like, indistinguishable from one another. But Apple... Apple's statement was, like, in, like not connected to the reality of the case. Apple's statement was, like, every corp that has ever looked at this says Samsung is a copier. <laughs> and it's, like, that's not what we're talking about anymore. Like, Samsung kind of agrees that they lost. Right. It's just whether they should pay all So not just not a good week for Samsung. Not a good week for Samsung. And, and just one note, I really thought um, um, Chief Justice John Roberts, he said, yes, the Volkswagen Beetle is iconic, but if it cost 10 times more or got one mile per gallon or broke down all the time, it doesn't matter what it looks like. People would not have bought it. And so that was his argument right. for, you know, why. It, yeah, it looks the looks are important, but the insides are important as well. And then there was another comment about that, which said, yeah, but you could buy a different car that didn't look as iconic that also didn't break down. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's going to be such a difficult thing for them to figure out. And I'm really interested to see yeah. what it comes down. But I'm kind of a legal wonk. So. Yeah. 
I mean, be good. I am too. too. I mean, the, the, this is so exciting It'll for me, great. but the case at this point has almost nothing to do with consumer technology. Zero. Like z- it's literally just about money. Oh, it's just it's it's just yeah, it's about money. It's they lost, and now how much do they have to pay? And it's years later, and they were on, they were riding such a high because they they got smacked for copying Apple too hard. They started not copying Apple. They put out their flagship phone, and it started burning mm-hmm. hell up. I don't think the cup holder analogy really holds up either. Yeah. it's really more like the windshield of a car. Like a display, like you need a display on the phone. But you it's not need... the display. It's just like the design of a thing, right? Like I think the reason the cup – so actually take the windshield. Like the windshield has a function. Right. Right. So you could patent, I don't know, the coating on the windshield that doesn't let it shatter as easily as some other windshield or something else or like blocks glare. But those are utility patents. But like the specific rake of the windshield or its curve – would be a, like more of a design patent in this world, right? So it's just like, or maybe the layout of the buttons on the center console. Yeah, if you laid them out in a certain way that was really iconic, uh-huh. then yeah. you know, if BMW the way they lay out their buttons, if someone else copied that, and they were like, oh, geez, that looks really similar, that'd be the same thing. But even so, you wouldn't award all the profits that they make on a fifty thousand right, dollar car right. based on those buttons because huh. you, that's you wouldn't assume argument. that you're buying it for that specific functional or f- specific design you would or would not assume I, I don't think anybody buys a car based on the like, like the i love the, the this rake the of a windshield right I, i'm gonna buy this copycat version of it and that's of one of the one. things they talked about they said you'd have to bring in experts to analyze the phone and talk to people who bought it and figure out why did you buy it and because you know it, it could be that that design was five percent of the reason that people bought it or ten percent of the reason or a hundred percent of the reason and you'd have to have experts come in, and that's a crazy complicated question. But one of the uh, one of the justices said, well, antitrust is really complicated, and we let juries figure that out, so why can't we have them figure this out? And so it, it's crazy complicated for such yeah. a narrow question. Because, Neil, you and I were talking earlier about how patent, especially patent lawsuits in general, never make it to a jury. Never. And that's what this argument is about, is specifically about jury things. They all get settled. Yeah. So what are they even arguing about? And it's basically because Apple didn't want to, right? They wanted the win. And the I, I public think win. They wanted the big public. The jury went away and deliberated and said, Samsung copied us. And they got it. And now they're they're just, they want the win at the Supreme Court. To, you can just feel it. And so this is not do you think Do you think Steve yet? Jobs is... would have been? So it's been argued, and, and then the decision will come out maybe December or, or next year sometime. But so, you know, remember the famous quote about Steve Jobs that he would, you know, thermonuclear war. You know, do you think he would have been happy to see this day? We made it to the Supreme Court. We're going to get our win, or is it too obscure a thing? I mean, I think it, at this point, it, I think honestly, he would have had bigger problems to solve, right? Like, he focused on like putting out the TV product. Like, the mobile market, he beat everybody. It's moved on. Yeah, all of won. the competitors have fallen off the face of the earth. I mean, in that time, I remember uh, what they sued Motorola. And uh, Judge Richard Posner in, what is it, the Seventh Circuit in Illinois was like, this is ridiculous. Get out of my court. And, like, threw it out. He was like, this is nonsense. Like, Go just settle it. Go settle it. He was like, "Just you're, you're all making phones. Like, no one gives a shit. Like, get out. And his decision didn't say it in quite so many words, but that was the thrust of it, was like, this is nonsense. What you're doing is nonsense. You're both huge, sophisticated businesses. Figure it out. Get out. In other places, it didn't go that way. So I, I don't know. It's just like it's one of those things where bad week for Samsung, just like every possible dimension. But what struck me about it was 
slide to unlock was the original Apple patent, right? I did a whole video at MWC in like 2012 where I just went and looked at how every other company had to design around slide to unlock. And they all built a different system because they weren't allowed to use it. And now Apple just like walked away from it in iOS 10. And everyone's like, this sucks. Because it kind of sucks. And Apple still made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you, you're still sliding. Still Are you still sliding? Sometimes. I don't slide ever accidentally. The pr- problem is, is that I'm always listening to like an audiobook, and yeah. then like maybe someone wants to talk to me or something, so I have to pause the audiobook. So if I put my thumb with my fingerprint yeah. on the phone to wake it up, it unlocks it. So I, I'm trying to train myself to hit the side button to just wake it up, or I flick the screen, like like an Apple Watch gesture to wake the screen up. Um, oh, I haven't. I forgot that it's like yeah, it, it does that now. It lights which on. Motorola has been doing for like three generations. Of um, because otherwise, been doing if it. I unlock my phone, I go to like to my most recent app or the or the home screen, and then I have to like pull up the controls and then pause. Yeah, which is made. I I've not found uh, iOS ten confusing, but I think it's interesting on this whole shape thing. Every time I see the Pixel ad, that you know, it starts out as a search bar and expands into a phone. Mm-hmm. I still think it's the iPhone. Yeah. And like, I know it's not the iPhone, uh, but like, even if you don't think that they're copying the iPhone directly, there's something about that ad that's like, you know and love this shape. Mm -hmm. What if Google made this shape? Yeah. And I think that's that's a good piece of Apple's argument, right? They infringed our iconic design and they sold phones because of it. Mm. The question is, like Jordan's saying, what percentage of the purchase decision was driven by that versus they copied. You know, literally every Samsung copied literally every icon on the iPhone, hmm. and that was part of the case. Like, this thing is so complicated and so wonky. Do you remember from the original iPhone launch when uh, when Steve put up the slide and it had all the phones and they all had keyboards? Yeah. And then, oh, here's our phone. It doesn't have a keyboard anymore. And now you look, and no phone has a keyboard. And it's like, okay, we can see the progression here, but whether or not it's worth four hundred million dollars. Which, by the way, Who to knows? both of these companies is nothing. Mm-hmm. Drop like the Samsung, I think that's Samsung like two days of Apple products or something. that cost more than four hundred million dollars. Like they sell nuclear reactors. Like just you'll be fine. Like pay the money. <laughs> like the idea that Samsung has some big vested interest in the design patent law of the United States is nonsense. And like, I gotta imagine they're just trying to get the win too. I gotta imagine that Samsung tried to settle over and over and over and over and over. And like you said, Apple's like, nope. I don't think Apple has. We, any we, we want guilty. You know, you're liable judgments. Okay, we I'm care about read, nothing else. I'm gonna read one more ad. Then we're gonna Ashley has Ashley's gadget corner. She does every week. That she does every week without fail. Mm-hmm. We're live listening to it. And then we have a tiny lightning round, and then we're done. This episode of the Vergecast. Also brought to you by Graphic Stock. Graphic Stock is a subscription-based stock media company that gives you unlimited access to over 300,000 premium photos, illustrations, vectors, and design elements that everyone can afford. You get great value with the unlimited download model. They actually have the largest unlimited download library of graphics, photos, vectors, and images available to the creative community. Most websites will charge you per download, which costs as much as $30 per image. That adds up quickly. But with Graphic Stock, you get unlimited downloads with your membership for an annual rate. There's no credits. There's no limits. There's no hidden charges. It's the same stuff that you'd find in more expensive stock sites at a way cheaper price. And they're always adding new content to the library, so 
stays fresh. During a seven-day free trial, you can download 140 pieces of content. It's only $99 for an annual subscription after that, which, do the math, less than $10 a month. Everything is 100% royalty-free, even if your subscription is canceled. You get unrestricted usage rights for personal and commercial projects, and you get to keep what you download and maintain those usage rights forever. Think about that. Forever. What lasts forever in That's this a long time. Anyway, exclusive to Vergecast listeners, sign up for a seven-day free trial today, graphicstock.com slash Vergecast. That's graphicstock.com slash Vergecast for free. Seven days. Roll the tape. Where's Ashley? A love letter to a knockoff Louis Vuitton flip phone. Dear knockoff Louis Vuitton flip phone, I've been looking for you. I don't know if I'll ever find you in the U.S., but I want to believe. I want to imagine that one day I could take your gold-plated body out to the clubs in Brooklyn and show you off. I know everyone would be jealous. I want to flip you open during a tense exchange with a friend and walk off pretending like I got a phone call. My friend would wish she had a flip phone for effect, too. But I don't totally get you. You have so many buttons that maybe you don't have a purpose. Like those four buttons with the Louis Vuitton-esque images printed on them. What do they do? Are they just for show? I'd be okay with it if they were. I know the center LV button takes me back to a central menu, but everything else makes no sense. You confuse me, knockoff Louis Vuitton flip phone. A YouTube video attempts to explain you to me, but the person using you only speaks Russian, and I don't speak Russian. I found you on Instagram through a Los Angeles-based creative studio. I know, typical. You weren't tagged, and I didn't know if you were an art piece. I googled you. I saw your photo on some Russian websites. Normally, that scare me off, but I'm reluctantly intrigued. I can't explain it. Honestly, knock off Louis Vuitton flip phone, I think you're what I've been needing and wanting. You're mini, so you'd fit in my bag or on a keychain attached to my clutch. You're gold, and therefore luxurious. You appropriate a legitimate fashion brand, which makes you both confident and sophisticated. You're simple. You don't load Instagram or Snapchat. I mean, I don't think you turn on. But if you did, you definitely don't have apps. I could just send messages in the club and call my friends on you. Seriously, knock off Louis Vuitton flip phone. We'd make a great pair. Thinking about you, Ashley. <laughs> Is there anything more satisfying than snapping shut a StarTech phone after a call? I know. What are we doing in our lives? I miss it. I mean, Ashley wants a flip phone bad. Yeah. She talks to me about it at least once a week. It's becoming a real problem. The <laughs> <laughs> circuit breaker room grinds to a halt. Uh, Paul, do you want to plug your, your newest circuit breaker venture, Emotional Tech Support? Oh, yeah. Ashley and I, Ashley, who you just heard in your ears, uh, as you do every week. Um, we <laughs> for <did> her normal <laughs> segments for the segment that she does every week. Um, we did a Facebook Live um, called Emotional Tech Support, which I think we should turn into a full time podcast. Let's be real. We should do something. What with happened it. during this? this Basically, this thing. there's a, like a eight four 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 emotion is a, a phone number that people could call um, during the show, and then they could tell me about their tell Ashley and I about their um, their gadget problems, and then we would answer them not practically but emotionally and and engage with because i just get i get so frustrated sometimes with technology it just doesn't work how i want it to work Mm -hmm. and nobody's really going to fix it for me and it's never going to get better but sometimes i just want someone to hear me out so so i try to we try to provide that to people 
Well, I'm insistent that we do it again. So go find that on Facebook. Listen to it. We might put on the Verge Extras thing as a podcast. Yeah. That's an idea we have. Yeah. I'm into this. I really like taking over Verge Extras as just weird experiments. (laughs) That's what it's for. Uh, So a tiny little lightning round thing. I snapchatted that whole thing. One... One thing more to talk about. That was a long snap. I guess snaps are, are like, what, they're 30 It was seconds? really like 10 seconds, okay. but I just caught the end of But you're... A multi-channel fantastic. media brand. That's right. Everywhere that you are. Off-platform publishing. <laughs> Whether you're listening to this podcast, you're reading a website, or just creeping on Lauren's Snapchat, <laughs> The Verge is there. Uh, uh, one more thing to talk about. Just real quick. Amazon launched a music service this week. It's cheaper. It's $8 a month instead of... What ten for everybody else? Mm-hmm. And if you have an Echo, it's like four dollars, but it only works on one Echo at a Can time. Can I make a confession? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I already thought Amazon already had a music service. No, this is their new one. They did. Well, they have, they have Amazon yeah, they, Prime they Music. They had Prime Music, oh, which they is had part like, of your Prime subscription, and then they would offer you like a certain amount of storage for saving your music oh, files. Oh, like the old-fashioned purchasing songs. Yeah, yeah but, but, but when you, it was like a web serve it. Like you had to go to like the web dashboard to listen to. Well, and to Prime it Music also sucked. You'd play it through Alexa. Right. When you were like, like Helen Rosner, who's the executive editor at Eater, tweet, she was tweeting at me this week. She's like, whenever I ask my Alexa to play music, it just plays Christmas songs at me <laughs> because Prime Music's <laughs> library was so bad. Oh, man. But she like, I'd be like, play Frank Sinatra and it would just play Sinatra's <laughs> Christmas hits her. Uh, so, but now it's a real music service with the whole catalog. It does the whole okay. thing. Okay. I'm is sorry this, is for this, not reading up on this. I mean, it doesn't matter. My question is, yeah, would, you sign up, would you sign up for Amazon service? I don't have an Alexa. Yeah. And I already have Spotify and Apple Music subscriptions. Yeah. So definitely not. But Amazon did just make uh, Twitch Prime. Which like I was a Twitch subscriber mm-hmm. and now and yeah, and, free, right? and I'm a Prime subscriber and now for free I um, yeah you can you watch Twitch ad free but also you get to subscribe to one person a month which yeah. means you get to like give them more money like your favorite streamer you get more money and you get a cool new icon next to your name in Twitch I think it's cool that Amazon Amazon buying Twitch has done such a good job with Twitch really and not destroying Twitch. Um, just by keeping it what it which is. Which just seems rare. Yeah, they kept it what it was yeah. and they like have, have emphasized and, and, and improved it and it did not at all get destroyed by YouTube gaming. And uh, in fact, I think they're going to they're gonna start doing where you streamers can upload videos okay. instead of just capture from their streams. So I, I think it's just a great success story of I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but Amazon did not mess up Twitch. That's a good story. Mm-hmm. And like now that. they're and now they're just giving any Prime subscriber more better Twitch. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Wait, are you going to buy Amazon? So Twitch Music? is better than an Echo. Uh, I'm going to try yes. it, but I don't know. I'm pretty. I pay for we're split household. I pay for Spotify. <laughs> and my significant other pays for uh, YouTube. Oh well, YouTube Red slash Google Play. I guess if you pay ten dollars for one, you get the other. Oh, I pay for that. Too. And I don't pay for Apple Music, but I'm like pretty invested in Spotify at this point. And they just introduced the daily mixes, mm-hmm. so you don't just have Discover Weekly now. And they do a pretty good job of that. And. Uh, I don't know. It would have to be pretty. Com- it would have to be pretty compelling. I'm definitely not going to pay for the four dollars a month, Echo only. I just yeah. don't see the point when I can shout at Alexa right now and have. Wait, do, you use, Spotify. do you use Echo a lot? Yeah, I use it a lot. It's in the kitchen. We moved it from. The, it was originally in the living room, and it didn't make sense there. I moved to the kitchen, and honestly, the thing I do with it ninety percent of the time is set timers for yeah. cooking. Great. 
set so many timers. And pretty much if you go down That's what I my, use Siri the, for. the app for me, it's like set timer for seven minutes, set timer yeah. for 18 minutes. Saying double, that out loud is somehow timer. so much faster than... Yeah. And music. Music's the other thing. Well, but like good, good on Amazon for making it easy enough to use Spotify with their hardware product that... Well, because they didn't have this other product, right? Like, right. What's going to happen now? Do you gonna... guys listen to music with your Echo? Because to me, the speaker's terrible, so I never use it. Yeah, it's not yeah, great, but, but I do it all the time. My kitchen's like two feet big. So really, you know, it, it's just just kind of like you just need it right there. I don't know. We also have a Sonos in the kitchen. and I just, But Amazon I, to well, The integration to is coming. To, it's coming. Like, that's yeah. going to be awesome. Like, play music in my whole house, and then all the Sonos lights up. I mean, I don't know. I, I think Amazon having a music service is... It's like table stakes, mm-hmm. but it's not going to do anything, right? It's like you yeah, can that's make... not what was holding me back from the Amazon lifestyle. Yeah, what was holding me back from the Amazon lifestyle is the only hardware product they make that I like is the Echo. Like I don't want to use the rest of their services. You don't want the Fire you TV use a Kindle? stick. Oh, yeah, um, I have a Kindle. Yeah, I mean, I guess I use the Kindle, but or is that separate? It doesn't feel like an Amazon. I don't know. I don't know. It's not like it's just that's where your books are. That's it. Yeah, it's it's just this like single purpose device. Like it doesn't. I don't know. It's good. It's the best one. You know, that's the one everybody has. But it doesn't feel as invasive ecosystem-wise as everything else. Yeah. Right? Like, everything else is about ecosystem lock-in. Actually, I was saying to Lauren earlier this week, I think the story of 2017 is going to be ecosystem Mm lock-in. And it's going to be consumers rebelling against the fact that to get the most out of anything, they have to buy everything from a single vendor. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just going to be... I think people are going to realize that it's really inconvenient and really bad. Well, you know what the sub-story of that is? Yeah. Is that is ecosystem lock in, but by acquiring a bunch of sites or services or brands and keeping them the way they are, just like Paul is saying about Twitch. Mm-hmm. Like I just started using Audible, and that's an Amazon brand. But I mean, you, I guess you'd sort of know it from looking at it, but it's it's kind of separate. And like Facebook pretty much kept Instagram separate, and you know I think it's going to be about sort of keep, trying to keep things authentic feeling for users. Yeah. Even as the company tries to just suck you into all their services. Yeah, but like, nothing about Instagram forces you to use Facebook, right? It, I think the, the bad lock-in is I want to try a different product, but I can't leave because of iMessage. Or Microsoft bought Sunrise, and now I have to use Outlook. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think those are the hostile Those are definitely yeah. the hostile right. ones. And then the good lock-in is we bought Twitch, and now they don't worry about money, and they're just like rolling out features. Right. right? And those are kind of the... There are different ways to go, mm-hmm. and it's typically the companies that are like weaker in the market that don't lock you in as hard. So, like, I think that's why Amazon will happily let you set Spotify as the default because they they're not going to just compete by, they're not going to hamstring the f the Echo by forcing Echo the f and Echo. They're not going to they're not going to hamstring the Echo by tying it to Amazon Music. Like, they'd rather just win with the Echo. And then later on, once they've won, they can like push Amazon. This is why I'm so sad. I, I think Amazon, maybe because yeah, maybe because they're a bit of an underdog in some of these markets. But Amazon just seems to do it right, and I really wish they were good at phones. <laughs> so do they, man. I also like how you have this warm, sort of fuzzy feel towards well, Amazon when well, they're such like incredible competitors, and you know, undercut everybody. And well, I spend most of my time in Audible. Amazon bought that a long time ago and never messed it up. I've been buying a lot more stuff on Amazon. I finally got over my fear of ordering things online. There you go. And now, and then they bought Twitch and they didn't mess it up. They're like a very developer-friendly company, like as far as like their tech talks and stuff. So I feel like I have that angle on them too. And um, but yeah, maybe it's just I'm not afraid of them the way I am afraid of a Google or Apple. That like, oh, if they trick me into using this, 
I might be iMessaged. I might be trapped. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I don't think it's a story now. Like, it's just building, right? But if and these are all hypotheticals, but if the AI thing happens and Google stuff is way better, people are going to realize they're locked into the iOS ecosystem. Mm. That probably won't happen. But the headphone thing is another example. It's super silly, but once people have to buy new headphones for this phone, so they don't have a dongle permanently plugged into their stuff, mm-hmm. they realize the headphones are. A you know more the expensive. new the new anecdote from this week was someone's <coughs> like, I was like. Oh, uh, what's that? And I was like, "This oh, this is the dongle for headphones." I'm like, oh, right, to, for, so you can use wireless. <laughs> oh, they the dongle. They was, it was, was an like antenna. Some type of antenna. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. Because before, if pe- that could double as an antenna and get you better service, I would. That would. Be I would love awesome. that. Jordan, don't even put the idea out there because next Someone. phone, there's going to be some terrible <laughs> hanging dongle. Well, that's what's coming back. It's like the extendable antennas. <laughs> Yeah, you pull up on the thing before you make a call. You pull it up and snap it open and dial That's away. That's great. No, it but like great. the Bluetooth headphones. That's what I don't mean the wired ones. The Bluetooth headphones. The fact that to get the best Bluetooth experience on the iPhone, you have to buy Beats headphones. Mm-hmm. That's just another little example of lock-in. Like, it's it's all over the industry. Don't get me wrong. I just think it's going to come to some sort of head because people are going to understand that it's happening to them and they're going to not like it. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the lock-in is coming because Apple was so successful with it and everyone else, Google or whoever, is like, I need a piece of that action. I just, I don't know. Like, the Echo to me is, why does Amazon need, really need a music streaming service? They don't really need one. But they know that they have this piece of hardware that people like. Mm-hmm. And they could give that money away to Spotify or they could collect it themselves. Wait, wait, I have an idea. Do you think Amazon is going to start making its own music the way it makes its own <laughs> content for video oh, streaming? No, God, and if would so, what great. would the Amazon band be called? Hmm. Oh, the Prime. They would just call it the Prime. The Primos. The Primos. <laughs> All right. Paul's, oh, oh, Paul's wait, got wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. I'm trying to think of the, the... So Amazon's technique with TV shows is find a well-loved existing property or a well-loved existing director. Mm-hmm. And so so they would take... They'd make a super group out of like members that used to be part of other big super groups. It'd be like Fergie... And Harry Styles. Well, this is the worst idea. Ever. Wow. And it'd be called like the Jeff Bezos Funk Project. <laughs> yes, with Fergie and Harry Styles. And it would sell like crazy. Well, Hot it wouldn't cakes. sell like crazy. Free with your Amazon Prime. Free with your Amazon Prime. <laughs> Fergie now just comes free with Amazon Prime. She just comes to your house. She's like, Alexa, drop a beat. And she starts saying <laughs> Yeah, if you order anything from Amazon Prime now, Fergie brings it to you. Here are your cough drops, Mr. Patel. Riding a drone. <laughs> oh, someone, I uh, was just talking to somebody in our studio who said they were in Seattle over the weekend on vacation, and they drove by the Amazon campus and just saw them testing the delivery drones. Oh, really? Which is amazing. Oh, cool. What were they delivering? I don't think she got... Puppies? I, I don't think she like, ran up to them. I think she just saw them <laughs> testing. Yeah, it was puppies. But let's, let's go with puppies. It, it was actually Fergie. <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. They were keeping it all. Drop a bee. <laughs> All right. That, uh, fortunately, unfortunately. On that note. On that, on that very strange and somewhat disturbing <laughs> note of Fergie flying from the sky Wait, singing you to you. Neil, no! I turned that thing off. All right, it's all the Galaxy Note uh, Seven. This is really gone. It was such a good podcast too. <laughs> okay, that was it. That was the whole show. 
Uh, I want to thank really Masterclass once again for sponsoring today's episode. Masterclass makes the world's greatest courses by bringing the world's greatest instructors. Aaron Sorkin, teaching Masterclass in screenwriting. There's 35 lessons, over six hours of videos. There's interactive assignments. It'll help you learn the craft of screenwriting, write your own screenplays. Aaron covers the rules of storytelling, dialogue, character development, and what makes a script sell. For an exclusive clip of Aaron Sorkin discussing how he writes dialogue, go to masterclass.com slash The Verge. That's masterclass.com forward slash The Verge. Listen to that. Thanks, Masterclass. There's also tons of stuff to listen to all over The Verge. Lauren Good hosts a show. What's your show called? Too Embarrassed to Ask. What's hap- what happened this week on Too Embarrassed to Ask? We talked all about exploding batteries. There you go. Yep. But no, really, check it out. iTunes.com, recode.net forward slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Every, it's on our Snapchat right now. <laughs> um, What's Tech happens on Tuesday with Chris Plant. Actually, this week was really cool because Chris wasn't there. Caitlin Tiffany, uh, who's a genius on our staff, guested uh, had Ashley Carmen on as a guest. They talked about how GIFs are taking over photo apps, which is really interesting um, and really fun to listen to, actually. Uh, and then Walt and I do Control Athlete on Thursdays, which is pretty fun. Uh, this week, we also talked about Exploding Batteries, but then some other stuff. Walt just Walt just read things to Siri, all like the whole show, and was like, it's not fucking working. It's great. It's a classic Walt podcast. And then Kara Swisher does Recode, Recode Decode, Decode. Mm-hmm. and Peter Kafka does Recode Media, um, all of which are wonderful. So go on iTunes, find all that stuff. Listen to it or don't, but just make sure you rate it highly because that's important to us. Go to Twitter. We're at Verge on Twitter. We're at we're Verge on Snapchat. We're Verge on Instagram. Everywhere we want to be. I am at Reckless on Twitter. Paul's at Future Paul. Lauren Good is Lauren Good. Jordan, you're Jay Golson. JL Golson. JL Golson on Twitter. Jordan Golson, Samsung reporter extraordinaire this week at The Verge. We're going to let you get back to cars soon one of these days, man. Yo, can't wait. <laughs> but uh, follow Jordan. He's been doing just great work on the story, which I don't think is over yet. Anyway, that was it. That was the first cast. It happened to us and to you, and together we experienced it. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll. It was amazing. Rock and roll. Paul. Paul. Rock scotch. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>